Welcome to the queue. My name is Nurse Bug. I'm your friendly neighborhood nurse surveyor. And hi, I'm Tina Webster. I'm so glad you joined us. Today, we're going to talk about changing demographics in nursing homes, the elderly population, and specifically the minorities of that elderly population. In looking up some of the articles, I found one from 1996, which is a very long time ago, but I thought it was very interesting how they talked about the implications of population change. And they said that the elderly population was projected to more than double by 2050, increasing from nearly 34 million to 80 million. And nearly 20% of this increase was expected between 2010 and 2030 when the baby boomers entered their elderly years and a shift in healthcare as a whole and how we practice, because we've already seen adjustments with shifts in person-centered care, individualized care pathways, behavioral health needs, trauma-informed care, population health, healthcare equality, increased staff education and training for resident populations and adaptations of rules, regulations to changing requirements to participate in Medicare and Medicaid funding, and ultimately shifting the practice in LTC to more value-based payment modules. When we speak of elderly, um, we talk about them if they're as a homogeneous group, but this group varies really widely in terms of racial composition, ethnic origins, socioeconomic, ah, my voice, um, status and healthcare needs, such as specific diets, health practices, beliefs, which may not always be well understood by their caregivers. So as elderly minority groups grow, their needs, values, and preferences necessitate fundamental changes in healthcare services, which means shaping healthcare delivery to promote a higher quality of care and developing the healthcare workforce to be knowledgeable and sensitive to different cultures, beliefs, and concerns of the diverse elderly population. There'll be a major driving force going on, and it requires innovation and creative ideas to meet the increasing demand of tomorrow's healthcare services. So I also found another article, and it was from 2023. And it talked about over the 2023 to 2053 period, 73 million people on average will be 65 and older, about twice the average number for between 1983 to 2022. So they're saying between 2023 and 2053, 73 million. They said 80 million by 2050, but we're almost there. And it's not 2050. Mm-mm. No, it's going to, and it's a, it's a huge number, Lindsay, that's going to be entering into that, into the long-term care arena. But you know, what I find interesting is it's not just the elderly group that's coming into the long-term care facilities, the skilled facilities. It is a also diverse group of, of different ages. So what we used to think of nursing homes, the population being all elderly, 65 or older, that's not so true anymore. The residents are getting a lot younger that are entering as well. So not only do you have that big elderly group that's going to be entering into the nursing home, but you're also continuing to have the younger generations, the younger people admit into those facilities as well. I'm really glad you mentioned that because this podcast is actually part one of three. So part one, we're talking about the minorities. Part two is going to be talking about the younger generation, including trans, non-binary, all those sort of things. And then 
one, uh, we're going to have an ombudsman expert um, in to talk about the changing populations. There's going to be mu multiple talk about all the different areas of demographics, because as you know, I mean, there's so many different things you can talk about. But specifically today, talking about the racial and ethnic minorities, as opposed to 35 years ago, there was an underrepresentation of those minorities in nursing homes, but these patterns have changed and they're growing at a considerably faster rate. With those variations and different ethnic backgrounds, cultural differences, back then there was a lack of providers. There's a lack of providers who speak the language. I met a Japanese elderly resident one time and I had to use Google Translate. And it was so interesting to talk with him but it was definitely a language barrier. I was really thankful for Google Translate. Nursing homes don't know how to prepare specific cuisines for them. And, you know, some cultures place emphasis on caring for elders in the home, but that's slowly been changing over the years. And now our nursing home population is becoming more diverse. So you want to talk about how, how we might individualize it for them? Well, I think for the residents that are coming with different cultural backgrounds and beliefs, their belief systems and things like that, it is a challenge for them because, you know, the staffing, you know, we all know the staffing challenges, but not just to have the, the staff there, but to have the staff there that can communicate well with those residents. It is challenging for them, but most of the facilities that I've been, uh, had a pleasure of working with, they have a number that they can call a translator that can help the, the resident, help the family, help the staff communicate better. And, you know, really just reaching out to different uh, cultures and different organizations that can help train the staff or bring activities into the facilities for those residents because, you know, it does need to be individualized and their needs are specific, not something that the maybe the nursing home staff is is used to. It is a challenge for them, but um, it is definitely one that uh, has to be met. You know, those needs have to be met. Right. And, and so communication of itself is one area, but like, let's say you have a resident losing weight, you know, and they're Spanish speaking. And of course they have their, their native foods that they like. You're going to have to try to accommodate them, you know, if they're losing weight and what they like is quesadillas and certain sort of things, those are going to have to be made. And you're going to have to have people that are aware of the seasonings and, you know, what's supposed to go in them. And that's just a simple example. I'm sure there's something <laughs> much more yeah. involved, mm -hmm. um, but it, it touches every area of their care. Training of staff and all that is going to be super important. When it comes to like controllable risk factors, I found a really interesting article about how race and ethnicity determines what controllable risk factors for dementia have the biggest impacts on them. So not only do we have to individualize their care with communication, food, activities, you know, all that stuff, but then we also have to think about the things that are, are controllable for playing a part in Alzheimer's and dementia and how it correlates with their race and ethnicity. So it said about 23% of people who have Alzheimer's disease or a related dementia in their 60s or later have risk factors such as dementia, hypertension, 
or, you know, not getting enough exercise. And data from 91,000 participants, average age of 59 years old, they didn't have any dementia when the study began. They followed up with them for an average of nine years. And 16,000 of the original participants went on to be diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease or dementia at an age of six year older. And what I thought was really interesting is they noted that the percentage, 38% were minorities. That right there, I mean, that's that's a, the run. it is, it is. And it said controllable risk factors accounted for 33% of cases among Latinos, 29% among Native Hawaiians, 28% of Blacks, 22% of Caucasians, and 14% of Japanese Americans. I thought that was super interesting. Yeah, that is. They also laid out the top risk factors for certain minorities as well. And they said Latinos were more apt for diabetes. And then Caucasians, Black, and Native Hawaiians, their biggest top risk factor was low socioeconomic status. And for Japanese Americans, it was physical inactivity, which I thought was interesting. Those findings really confirmed that education, socioeconomic status, and other risk factors in middle age account for substantial but varying portions of dementia cases later in life across racial and ethnic populations. And there is that need for tailored interventions, individualized to address, you know, the more prevalent risk factors. Very interesting. With 50 years of experience and experts across all areas of nursing home care, QSource genuinely understands the needs of your facility. We've always been there alongside you, and we've walked in your shoes. No matter the situation, QSource is prepared to tackle your challenges, solve your issues, and answer your questions. Let QSource encourage, educate, and empower you. Contact us at any time at QSource.org. We will always be here to help. And now back to the podcast. How QSource can help. How changes in U.S. demographics impact healthcare in the future. So this growing elderly population will be a major determining force in, you know, the next century for demand, supply of health services. And this will include the different cultures, races, religions, who want more appropriate activities, visits with family, outings, food. They want that resident-centered care because it's key to them. That's what makes them happy. Providing education about this to staff can be a real struggle for many facilities, and we want to help. QSource wants to get in there. And we want to help you to help your residents because happy residents start with awesome, awesome staff. I think we would utilize the demographics to form and develop a QAPI project or a PIP to review the current facility vision and values, of course, to promote inclusion, to adjust to changing nursing home demographics with a continued alignment of the rules and regulations per CMS, of course. And then we would review the policies and procedures tailored to the facility's individualized need. That would mean looking at activities programs, care planning improvements and staff, mm-hmm. uh, staff education on programs and their involvement in QAPI. Because, you know, we have QAPI and the required people that need to be there, but you also need to have nurses and CNAs in your QAPI. You want to talk about that, right. Yeah, absolutely. Because that those are your, your direct care staff members and they know those residents and they know what's going on with processes and things that are that are working and things that aren't working really better than anybody. So, you know, their input is, is invaluable, really. 
it's very difficult, I think, at times for facilities to get their copies, be meetings together. Some of the facilities really struggle with that whole copy process, and that's where that's where we can come in, where KeySource can come in and and help them with that, help train their team members how to present their copy information, gathering data, doing root cause analysis, coming up with interventions, things like that, for those facilities that, that you know, that do struggle with a good, solid uh, QAPI program. Nurses, CNAs, housekeepers, direct care staff definitely need to be part of that. Yeah, and, and, and so QSource will take those analytics to show improvements, regressions, areas of focus, for continued needs for promoting continuous QI. We basically can give you an overview of what's in your nursing home, what minorities you have. I mean, everything. It's going to be every area we can touch on to better improve the quality of life for your nursing home residents. And that's going to include everybody. So next week, in part two of the three-part series, we're going to discuss the younger demographics in nursing homes including, but but not limited to, you know, the trans, non-binary, et cetera, all those things, and how that impacts the resident population, safety, behaviors, and the potential for deficient regulations imposed on nursing homes. I'm really excited about this three-part series because demographics is a huge, huge topic. I think breaking it into these three will make it a little understanding on how QSource can help. Absolutely. Hopefully our listeners will be be here for the next week's podcast where they can learn just a little bit more. And we appreciate um, all of the listeners that we have today and wishing them all a very, very wonderful day. Meet you back at the queue next week. Thanks, everybody. That's right. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this QSource podcast. If you ever find yourself needing QSource to assist your facility, please reach out to us at qsource.org so our long-term care experts can help you through the process. If you want to hear more podcasts like this, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to your favorite audio. Just search for QSource and you will find us. Thank you and have an amazing day.